One of the reasons Paul required that the church should awake to righteousness and do not sin is because there were still people who did not know Jesus as their Savior. And because the dead do rise and that there will be a resurrection, it is not time to eat, drink, and be merry. It is time for us to allow our good habits to uh, not be corrupted by evil company, but the reverse, that our good habits would change the habits of those who perhaps have bad habits, that we would awake to righteousness, that we would put off sin, that we might help bring others to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we are picking up in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 27 through 49. As I said, it's a very long chapter, but... I'm only leaving us nine verses to conclude with next week, but what wonderful nine verses that we are going to be looking at next week talking about the Lord's second coming and the rapture of the church and Jesus' victory over death. So we're going to hold that off until next week, and we have quite a bit to actually cover this week. Looking at verses 27 through 49, we pick up here with Paul continuing to speak about the authority of Christ, the truth of the resurrection, while calling the church of Jesus Christ to awake to righteousness. So today, the title of the message, Awake to Righteousness, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 27 through 49, we're going to have three points. Normally, I don't know how it works out when I study. I realize that I often, my first point is really big, and then they get shorter as they go on, maybe because I'm running out of time, and you're writing your your term paper that you got to turn in, and you get real good points in the beginning, and kind of throw it all together at the end. Today, it's totally reverse. Point one is very short, but two and three begin to get longer and longer. But we're going to see the sermon, Awake to Righteousness, Our first point, verses 27 and 28, at the feet of Jesus. Our second point, 29 through 34, for the glory of Jesus. And the third point, 35 through 49, in the image of Jesus. Father, I pray for your blessing to be upon us as we look into your word today. 
Lord, this portion of scripture, Paul challenges the church in Corinth to awake to righteousness, basically saying because people still do not know Jesus as their savior. And Lord, that challenge can be made to us today that we, Lord, as your church, would once again awake to righteousness because people need to know Jesus. So help us, Lord, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to this church, this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, in verse 33, he said, Do not be deceived, for evil company corrupts good habits. It is a matter of how we live in this world. It matters. It truly matters. Everyone knows that if you hang out with evil or bad people, you're in danger of going down bad paths. But conversely, the reverse is true. If you fellowship with good people, you will find good paths as you journey through this life. Uh, The last two weeks, I've had more correspondence through Facebook and email and uh, messaging, but also physical contact with some of the Calvary Chapel leaders within the state of Illinois, some of the pastors and their wives and the leadership within their churches. Uh, Also, Calvary Chapel pastors from California, Pastor Mike McIntosh and Holland Davis and others that I have to tell you, when we met together just two Fridays ago, I was so encouraged. And then Saturday night at the 2020 Vision for the Heartland Crusade in Elk Grove, and when the worship was taking place, it took me right back to California. I felt like I was sitting out at Costa Mesa listening to some of the worship taking place there and just seeing the lifting of hands, the worshiping, and people being prayed for. It was healthy. And I realized this very same thing, that, you know, the reverse of verse 33, where Paul said, evil company corrupts good habits, the reverse is so true that good company, we align ourselves, and I'm not saying that our church isn't good company, but when we align ourselves with people who love Jesus, it feeds off of one another. We feed off of one another. We help people walk in the path of righteousness as the Lord has called us to do. Therefore, if evil company corrupts good habits, the reverse is definitely true that good company encourages good habits. We are to build one another up. Ephesians 4.29 reminds us to let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that you may impart grace to the hearers. It's important how we conduct ourselves. When I was a brick mason foreman, after working with me for a few months, one of our brick masons, he told me, he said this, something like this. Last night, my wife said to me, you don't cuss as much as you used to. And so he explained to her that my foreman is a pastor and the guys on the job, they just don't cuss a lot. And it cleaned up his language on the job site, but also in his home. His wife responded to his explanation, saying, I like it. He cleaned up his language at home, and I don't even know if he realized it, but his wife realized it. And how wonderful it is to hear that 
the men's respect for me while on that job not only cleaned up their language on the job site, and I'm not saying that people didn't cuss, and, and I got cussed out, and I never cussed back in turn. I did speak my piece. One bricklayer one time told me, after a pretty heated discussion with the Army Corps of Engineer guy, after the Army Corps of Engineer left, Chris turned to me, and he's Irish. He says, ah, Johnny, you get red in the face just like I do when you get mad. And I do. So it's not like there wasn't times where issues had to be dealt with, and they were. But it's how we conduct ourselves. Even firing one of the bricklayers once because of something that happened on the job site, I wanted him off my job. I had to get between a laborer and a bricklayer that were ready to go after it, laborer with a shovel, the bricklayer with a hammer, ready to go at battle, and Pastor John standing between them. And it was the laborer's fault, so I let him go that very day. But even as I was handing him his check, he says, if you ever need any help in the future, just let me know. He still wanted to work for me. I was firing him, and he still wanted to work for me. I did not want him working for me, but uh, he was dangerous, and I just needed him off the job. So it's how we conduct ourselves. On that job, it helped to clean up a language, and not only the job site and people's homes as well. And since evil company corrupts good habits, Paul urges the church then, in verse 34, to awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. This I speak to your shame. The purpose of our awaking to righteousness, of our uh, striving to walk in sinlessness, is because there are some people that do not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. This word for righteousness, it speaks about to walk in accordance to what God has required of us, to walk in accordance to the word of God itself. We are to awake in righteousness. The psalmist declared in Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? And then he goes on to answer the question saying, by taking heed according to your word. How do we cleanse our way? By taking heed according to your word. It's one of the reasons I named my teaching show. I think I mentioned this recently. And the cover of my Bible says the cleansing word. It comes from Ephesians 5 verse 26 that says we are washed by the water of the word, that the very word of God brings cleansing upon our lives. In Micah 6, 8, it tells us, he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. One of the reasons Paul required that the church should awake to righteousness and do not sin is because there were still people who did not know Jesus as their Savior. And because the dead do rise, and that there will be a resurrection, it is not time to eat, drink, and be merry. It is time for us to allow our good habits to uh, not be corrupted by evil company, but the reverse, that our good habits would change the habits of those who perhaps have bad habits that we would awake to righteousness, that we would put off sin, that we might help bring others to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. And may we awake to righteousness, put off sin, 
that we might win others to Christ for the glory of Jesus. And finally, verses 35 through 49. It's going to be challenging for me to one hand read the context because I have to turn a page. So I'll just take us through it as we go. It'll probably speed it up just a little bit. But in the image of Jesus, verses 35 through 49, his first epistle to the Corinthians, we discover that in that epistle, he was directly answering questions that had been given to him, written to him by the church itself. Or here, as we find, he anticipates their questions. And Paul now anticipated, too, in verse 35, the two questions. How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And although Paul thought that those who would ask such a question, he would go on to say foolish ones, he gives some sound arguments by comparing the vast variety of God's creation by exploring the differences between seed and grain, between terrestrial and celestial, between nature and or natural and spiritual, between the first and the second man. We begin with the seed and grain. Remember the two questions. How are the dead raised up and with what body do they have? And the remainder of our teaching kind of deals with that subject. Verses 35 through 38 says, Foolish one, what you sow, is it not made alive unless it dies? And what you sow, you do not sow that body which shall be, but the mere grain, perhaps some wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and each seed its own body. Though not a botanist, I don't think he was, but Paul used a wonderful illustration of the resurrection by comparing seed and the plant or the tree that would come forth from it. Paul's first point was that the plant itself, for that to emerge, that the seed had to be buried in the ground. It was a type of death, it symbolized death itself. A seed will not grow unless it is watered and buried in the earth. It needs the nutrients to cause it to spring forth. Second, Paul pointed out a vast difference between the seed itself and the plant that comes forth or the tree that comes forth. To get a tree, we do not plant a tree to get a tree. We simply plant a seed that comes from the tree. Uh, I was going to bring in an acorn or a a hickory seed. We have them all around here on the church property. And often we are removing small little trees from our flower beds because they get in there over winter. They go through that process of their burial and then springing forth to life in the spring and begin to take roots. But we know that is true. Finally, both the seed and the plants are reliant upon one another. You cannot get a plant without the seed and you cannot get the seed without the plant. Apart from the rapture, so is the natural and the spiritual. In order for us to receive the spiritual bodies, this natural body must first, the physical body must die. It is God who has determined what that future body will be like, though. And so Paul isn't necessarily dealing with what we are going to look like at this point, 
He's just saying that death must take place first before life can come forth. But speaking of that future body in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, Paul did declare, For we know that if our earthly tent, this house, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Second, we see terrestrial versus celestial bodies. In verses 39 through 41, he says, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another kind of animals, another of fish, another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. Even though our our terrestrial, our fleshly bodies are bound to this earth, there is a huge difference between the terrestrial, that is of humans, of animals, of fish, of birds. He, he touched on all those. There's even a great variety between humans themselves, between the various animals, though similar. We each have our own unique characteristics. And this goes all the way back to the creation by God in Genesis 1.20. Verses 24 and 26, it also tells us, God saying, let the waters, verse 20 of Genesis 1, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. In verse 24, he goes on saying, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to its kind. In verse 26, God saying, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that is upon the earth. So the same is true with the celestial bodies. In speaking of the sun, moon, and stars, their creation, God said in Genesis 1, verses 16 through 19, that God made two greater lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night, the sun and the moon. He also made the stars, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day, over the night, to divide the light from darkness. God saw that it was good, and so it was evening and morning and on the fourth day. Paul, by pointing out the great variety between the terrestrial and celestial bodies, Paul taught us that our new bodies, though in the image of Christ, will each have our own unique characteristics. Our citizenship, Paul would later write in Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed into his glorious body, according to the working which he has made available to, he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Jesus Christ, he will transform these lowly bodies that we could be conformed into his glorious body. The natural versus spiritual bodies, verses 42 through 45. So also is the resurrection of the dead. And the body is sown in corruption, it will raise up in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it will be raised up in glory. 
It is sown in weakness, and it will be raised up in power. It is sown a natural body, it will be raised up a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. As it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last man became a life-giving spirit. Paul also pointed out the differences between the natural and our future spiritual bodies. While our natural bodies, they're sown in corruption, in dishonor, in weakness, our future spiritual bodies will be raised up in incorruption, in glory, and in power. I like the sound of that, especially since I'm facing surgery this week. Looking forward to that new body. But while I'm here, I'd like the old one to work as well as possible. So there are both the natural physical bodies and also the spiritual eternal bodies that are to come. And just as our natural physical bodies have resulted from our forefather Adam, the first man, so too will our future spiritual bodies come as a result of the resurrection power of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, we read this last week. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So we conclude with the first and second man, verses 46 through 49. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, and the second man is from the Lord, from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are made of heaven. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. When discussing the resurrection of the dead, like with the seed and the plant, the seed comes first, so too does the natural, our physical bodies, and then the spiritual. Just as Adam was formed from the dust and those who descend from him, every human on the earth, we were born in the image of that dust. In Genesis 2-7, it says, God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So we come from Calvary Chapel movement, Pastor Chuck Smith being the founder of that movement. He wanted to be a medical doctor before becoming a pastor. He was a brilliant man. He studied not just the Bible, but a lot of things, obviously the body itself. I remember this from Pastor Chuck, looked it up in his notes. Uh, speaking about the dust of the earth, Pastor Chuck would say, when God created these bodies, he created them out of the earth. He created them for the earth. The same 17 elements that make up the dirt outside are the same 17 elements that make up my body. Out of the earth, but not only out of the earth, but for the earth. Conversely, the second man or second Adam, Jesus, having come from heaven, having a body that was made for heaven. In Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. For a time, Jesus took on the form of a man that he might 
bring salvation to man. Therefore, just as we have physical uh, bodies, we've been born in the image of our forefather, Adam, the first Adam. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ will one day bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus Christ. John, thinking of this, in 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, said, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. While on this earth, believers begin to take on the characteristics of Jesus one day, these earthly bodies will be transformed in the very image of Christ. It is my hope that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That Jesus Christ being the first fruit of our salvation, he is the Savior of the world. All things will be placed under the, his feet. But today you can come under the Lord's authority by coming into life-saving faith in his name. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.